0: A for-profit company that operates Ontario group homes and foster care might be the subject of a new class action lawsuit. An open letter today decries the final report of the parliamentary committee examining expanding MAID. Protesters charged with domestic terrorism in Atlanta, including one Canadian, and West African countries are evacuating their citizens from Tunisia amid rising violence and oppression against migrants. Good morning. It's Tuesday, March 7th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. Andrew Russell and Carolyn Jarvis at Global News are reporting that Hats Off, a company that operates residential care facilities for children and foster homes, is subject to a potential class action lawsuit. Jamar Morrison is the lead plaintiff. He was placed in a group home operated by Hats Off when he was 12. The lawsuit seeks $60 million in damages on behalf of young people who are traumatized or abused while living at a Hats Off facility. The class action has not yet been certified. The statement reads: "Hats Off residences were chaotic and hostile and characterized by the frequent use of violent physical restraints and unlawful punishments by staff. Kids lived in fear." Owner of Hats Off, Gordon Naylor, denies any wrongdoing. Him, his daughter and COO of the company Bronwyn Naylor, and the director of finance Aladin Hanna are named as defendants. The lawsuit touches on the extremely sketchy world of for-profit children's care in Ontario. In addition to focusing on the facilities, Global reports that the lawsuit quote-unquote takes aim at Naylor's real estate holdings, including Naylor Nine Holdings. Global reports, quote, the lawsuit alleges the defendants quote-unquote diverted funds, which were meant for kids to real estate holdings meant to personally enrich Gordon Naylor. The Naylor family is worth about $55 million, according to previous reporting done by Global. They own a $1.76 million waterfront home in the Florida Keys. Bronwyn Naylor argued that the money that they've amassed through their real estate holdings has nothing to do with hats off. Of course, what's working against Naylor's favor here is the fact that they do squeeze profits from these facilities. As a for-profit facility, they have a right to do that, which gets to the core of the problem of this issue – in Ontario, the fact that you can make money off of restraining children, housing children, providing foster care to children, is pretty disgusting. And so it's not very surprising that there would be a company like Hats Off with the allegations against it. In response to previous reporting about Hats Off, the Nailer companies served Global News with aid libel notice. Next, a letter that was released this morning, signed by 43 people, is decrying the work of the Parliamentary Committee studying medical assistance in dying, for recommending expanding it. The proposed expansion will add minors and people with mental illness to the list of who is eligible for medical assistance in dying. The Globe and Mail's Aaron Anderson quotes a letter saying that the quote final report misstrews, misrepresents, minimizes, and completely ignores key evidence necessary to protect Canadians while amplifying those who favored more wider access. Among the signatories are doctors, disability activists, and academics who have warned that the committee has not done enough work to justify the expansions to made that is proposing in the final report. Anderson writes, quote, the committee's majority recommendations, if they were followed, would make Canada's euthanasia laws among the broadest in the world. The letter being sent to Parliament criticizes the report for not giving proper weight in its recommendations to issues around lack of healthcare resources, including palliative care, the need to protect vulnerable patients, and for not recommending important safeguards for minors, such as minimum age and parental involvement. Expanding made to people with mental illness has to be done with a ton of safeguards, uh, including, I don't know, publicly funding mental health care, which we pretty much do not in this country. The combination between a highly privatized mental health care system and allowing people to access MAID because of poor mental health is going to lead to people killing themselves who otherwise would have gotten care Expanding made to minors is also a conversation that we really have not had within Canadian society. It's pretty much rested with politicians looking at legal cases and making legal arguments rather than do we have enough support for people to be able to live with whatever diagnoses they have. I tend to agree with the letter writers and until we have those publicly funded supports to ensure that people can live a good life, circumstances regardless... I don't see how any society could justify expanding medical assistance to dying, considering the conditions in which we all live. To the United States now, where 23 people have been charged with domestic terrorism charges after they raided the site of something ABC News calls a, quote-unquote, planned public safety training facility. The source on this article is the police. I'm quoting from an ABC News report. Let's continue. Quote, After attending a music festival near the site of the soon-to-be Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, a group of people changed into black clothing and entered a construction area at around 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The quote-unquote agitators approached officers there and launched a quote-coordinated attack, according to the Atlantic Police Department. The police have said that the protest quote wasn't about a public training center, this was about anarchy, and this was about an attempt to destabilize, unquote. They engaged on a quote Coordinated attack on construction equipment and police officers, unquote, though no cops were actually injured. Among those arrested were a Canadian and French national. Okay, okay, if you haven't been paying at all attention to the story, you might be asking what in the heck is a public safety training center? I looked it up because the story takes its sweet ass time to actually explain this, but it's a police training facility. The city is building a massive police training facility on 85 acres of forest adjacent to the city. What is also buried in the story is that police shot and killed Manuel Esteban Paez Terran while he was camping out in the forest in protest of the site construction. His family says that he was shot 13 times. Police claim he shot first, hitting a cop in the abdomen. Now, what's not included in the story are comments from Human Rights Watch, which helps to clarify and bring logic to what is happening here. Human Rights Watch is calling for the charges to be dropped, in a letter, they write, quote, the 19 activists are charged under a Georgia passed domestic terrorism statute, passed in 2017 in response to a white supremacist attack on a black church. At the time of the bill's passage, supporters emphasized that the definition of domestic terrorism was not intended to encompass peaceful protesters. Clearly, the scope of the bill has not remained so limited. At least nine of the people charged with domestic terrorism, says Human Rights Watch, would otherwise be charged with a simple misdemeanor trespass. Tehran was also known as Tortuguita. I encourage you to watch for Tortuguita's name on Twitter or the campaign Stop Cop City to stay up to date about what's happening. I'll finish with more from the letter from Human Rights Watch. Quote: These charges dovetail with a broader attempt to smear protesters as national security threats. According to the International Center for Not-for-Profit Law, 45 states have considered anti-protest bills and over 20 have enacted them. These bills range from broadly redefining riots to granting civil immunity to drivers who hit protesters with their cars to applying counter-terrorism statutes against protest-related activities, as happened in Georgia. Across the country, grassroots groups have raised concerns surrounding the impact of these laws on First Amendment protected activity. The recent spate of domestic terrorism charges in Georgia underlines the risks such legislation poses to the exercise of First Amendment rights. The United States is such a funny place. It's like Second Amendment rights you cannot touch. But First Amendment rights? No problem. As things continue to become violent in the United States and the justification for more policing rises... People are going to be more and more arrested for acts like this. Solidarity with all of these folks who've been caught up in these counterterrorism charges. And here's hoping that you manage to stop Cop City. And finally, to Tunisia. The Globe and Mail's Jeffrey York is reporting that there is a frightening rise in xenophobic and racist attacks in Tunisia. They've gotten so bad that the governments of Mali, Cote d'Ivoire, Niger, and Guinea are evacuating hundreds of their citizens. Tunisian President Kais Sayed has helped to fuel the racism, saying that migrants from the south are, quote, threatening the demographic character of Tunisia, writes York. Saïd's comments have been praised by Éric Zemmour, the far-right French politician. York writes, quote, Mr. Saïd, elected in 2019, suspended the country's parliament in 2021 and has become increasingly authoritarian since then, as he consolidates power by cracking down on opposition politicians, judges, journalists, and trade unionists. Critics have called it a creeping dictatorship the anti-immigrant campaign is his latest move to bolster his rule in Tunisia, a country that has previously been notable as the only lasting democracy to emerge from the Arab Springs street uprisings of 2021, unquote. Of the 7,000 Ivorian citizens in Tunisia, about 1,300 have asked to be repatriated. Candida Kemera, the Ivorian foreign affairs minister, has said that they've been doing everything possible to get people home, including offering legal help for the folks who are stuck in prison. Earlier this week, thousands of Tunisians marched against the government in a rally organized by the principal union in Tunisia, the Union Générale Tunisienne du Travail. The government had arrested leaders of anti syed groups and a union leader for having launched a strike among tollbooth workers. Noureddin Taroubi told the protesters that they refused the oppression of the Syed government. He said, quote, we will resist to defend our union rights and we are united like the five fingers of a hand. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, March 7th. It's Sandy and Nora Day, folks, so a new episode will drop in just a couple of hours. My day is kind of nuts, so you might get a Sandy and Nora episode earlier than normal. Sorry for so much podcast content. I hope you have a great day.